I'm very curious to see what your intro is going to be since you have no clue what we're doing. Do you have an idea what we're doing? No, I have no clue. Cool. You have no suspicions? Mm-mm. Cool. I tried not to. All right. Uh, hello and welcome to Don't Feed the Artist bonus episodes. Bonus. Bonus. I'm Dave. I'm Jackson. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. And good evening. <laughs> We're not doing the air horn on my episodes. Nuh-uh. No air horn. No thanks. I mean, that's really going to bite me in the ass if I uh, do that uh, in the edit instead. If I come <laughs> up with an amazing um, little uh, ditty to add on to this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're welcome. here to do something today that I have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. So, Dave, um, let's just get into it. We're going to talk about Dawes today. Okay. I want I want you to have an opportunity. I feel like my whole idea with this is, and I'm going to do this with Adam, I'm going to do this with Hagen, mm-hmm. and I'm doing it with you. Mm-hmm. The whole idea was we never get to talk about our favorite bands uh, in the way that we want. So I wanted to sit down, get to know you in the way of your favorite band, and ah. just get, I want to talk about Dawes. I mean, you've talked about Dawes, but not like unabridged because... Mm-hmm we're always making fun of you, right? <laughs> which is not the point here. And this can go as short or as long as you want, but I want you to have the opportunity to talk about Dawes. So let's start. How did you get into Dawes? And this doesn't need to be, I mean, it can be if that's what you're into, Dave, but it doesn't need to be a history of Dawes. But um, what's the singer's name, the lead songwriter? Taylor Goldsmith. Cool. That's the one. Yeah. So what got you, Dave, into Dawes? There's this artist from my hometown named Carmen Townsend who she was a really great singer songwriter she still is but she's not as active as she used to be and a friend of mine used to play drums for her and I follow her on social media one day she posted about this song called all your favorite bands funny enough that this is what the episode's about yeah we don't have a name for this yet this uh, (laughs) bonus episode but I have an idea and maybe we'll end with that I went through or like I just saw that she posted about it and wanted to hear more from that because the song is really catchy. So what I think what I'm going to end up doing is talking about a lot of the lyrics. <laughs> well, that works. I mean, so like, I definitely, we can round about back to this, but whenever I think about you, your musical tastes are pretty eclectic. I see mm-hmm. you uh, supporting bands from country to metal. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I'm curious, what gripped you about Dawes? Like what what made you settle on this? Because not that they are simple, but they, they are definitely a lot more... Uh, paired back than a lot of the music I would associate with you. Right. The opening line to the song is late night drives and hot French fries and friends around the country from Charlottesville to good old Santa Fe. He says, when I think of you, you still got on that hat that says let's party. I hope that thing is never thrown away. Yeah. So I was like, that's a very interesting lyric because he's talking about someone that he really admires. It sounds like. So then it goes into the chorus is I hope that life without a chaperone is what you thought it'd be. I hope your brother's El Camino runs forever. I hope the world sees the same person that you've always been to me. It may all your favorite bands stay together. I interpreted that song as something along the lines of maybe like, cause they seem very much like an, a working band, whether or not they are uh, gigging musicians or whatever, but it, 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 I interpret this band as like kind of a working band, which makes sense why you would like them for that. You know, you're an audience stand in. Right. And I, I associate that song as something like, Oh, this is what like the touring life is like. I love being able to like, cause they, I, 
I don't remember the lyrics, but uh, at one point, don't they mention something about like, oh, it's good having friends in every single town, that yeah, kind of thing. That, that's, yeah, that sentiment is definitely in that song. Because he, he and Taylor often references places that they've toured, but that they're definitely road dogs in a sense because that's all they like to do is tour. But this this song in particular just made me think about him talking about someone else. Like, I hope that all your favorite bands stay together. We I don't know if he's ever said explicitly who it's for. So I checked out the rest of that album. It's from the band. That's the name of the album is All Your Favorite Bands. What? That came out like 2010? 2015. Something like that? 2015. 2015. Oh. oh, wow. So not knowing anything about the band, I just was listening to it. And some of my favorite Dawes songs are on this. There's a song called uh, Right on Time that's just incredible. In that song, what he says, is I stumble through the streets back from the alleyways and everyone can see I'm bleeding through my shirt. Um, oh, just let me look that up. I don't want to screw it up. They have a ton of albums. By oh, the yeah. Way. So, I mean, I'm really leaning on you to be the resident expert here. I didn't go through and listen to all of their records here. Right. So, what, um, there? you said that he, he just finished like his 11th album like finished like writing it or something like that yeah so they released they recently released their ninth album and then uh, before they released it he had the 10th album written and i think shortly after it was released they went into the studio to record the 10th one and he has the 11th one written there you go he just said the part of that was from taylor saying like i really like how most of his favorite artists like bob dylan and stuff like that they have so many albums and especially back in that time in the early 70s they weren't concerned with one album every three years. It was oftentimes one album every year. And so he was like, why can't we do that? Yeah. There's not too much. You can't release too much music. And so, I mean, you can because it, it's not always good. <laughs> yeah. But with someone like Taylor Goldsmith, who's constantly working on his craft and that band is, they're all just incredible musicians. They can't release too much stuff. Yeah. Especially in, you know, the fans' opinions. I, I think there, there's definitely bands like that for everyone where it's like, hey, they can't release too much music right so I, I definitely get that they recently just this past weekend played at a festival where they did black sabbath's paranoid i think is that the name of the album yeah yeah, yeah. all from front to back what the fuck yeah and they tried to do it as true to form as they could but they seem like those types of guys and as you were saying they're road dogs but like i really like i get the sense that these guys are probably studio musicians when they're home they that are kind of stuff they are now taylor and his brother griffin goldsmith their father i can't remember his name right now but he was a, a singer in the band tower of power from oakland yeah, yeah. they're like a crazy yeah. funk band yeah and i think that was their exposure they grew up in california and their father would invite them to jam sessions so he, he was part of like a residency gig and they would sit in sometimes when they were like 14 years old so they were getting the they were learning the ropes from all these super old la guys that were doing jam sessions and probably recording sessions that's so. got to be really exciting none of my parents are musical right. at all and right. i just would imagine that must be super exciting but it also must be super daunting because what if you end up saying like oh i'd rather be an accountant like <laughs> how is that gonna fare with your family yeah well i mean i don't think that was ever a choice because pretty quickly taylor started writing and he started working he was he started a band with blake mills called middle brother forget who the other person in the band was but the now bass player wiley gelber and griffin his brother the drummer they both were in the rhythm section eventually for that band oh. or they kind of knew each other how much of the band is the still the same band do you know wiley gelber on bass 
Taylor Goldsmith and Griffin Goldsmith are the only original members. Okay. They've had two or three piano players. Now they have Lee Pardini. We know him from Theo Katzman's band. Yeah. And they have Trevor Manier. But before that, they had, I think his name is Dickie Betts, who was... That's a funny name. I'm sorry well, I laughed. I th- if, if I'm getting the name right, his father was one of the guitar players in the Allman Brothers. Oh, shit. Yeah. So they, like they've had a couple of... Uh, side guitar players, but the only credited musicians in the band are Lee Pardini, Wiley Gelber, Taylor, and Griffin. So let's roll back a little bit. Yeah, I wanted to read that lyric because yeah. uh, at the end of the song, this song right on time, he says, as I stumble through the streets back from the alleyways and everyone can see I'm bleeding through my shirt and after describing all the shooter's details carefully and I start to realize just how badly I've been hurt and then he goes into the chorus, you were right on time and out of nowhere. So it's like, he has a way with putting a lot of words into a song without it being too overwhelming. You do have to listen to them a couple of times to really get what he's talking about. Sometimes you don't even really get it, but the words are just wonderful. You know, when I was sitting here thinking like, okay, so why does Dave like Dawes? And not because like, oh, I think Dawes is unlikable, but I'm like, what what made this Dave's favorite band? Like, why isn't it Rage Against the Machine? Why isn't it John Mayer? Why is it this? And uh, when I got to that John Mayer thought, I was like, oh, Dave said that like he loves that Born and Raised album. That's one of your like top five albums. So I think that makes sense because of the Dawes I've heard. Once again, I have not listened to all nine albums. It does feel in that similar vein of that singer-songwriter itch. 100%. And in fact, their first record, which just celebrated an anniversary... Oh, no, sorry, that was their second record. But their first record, North Hills, people were calling it like a Laurel Canyon throwback album. And at the time, they didn't even know what Laurel Canyon was. That was just something that they were writing. I don't know what Laurel Canyon is. Oh, it's like the, you know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, uh, the Eagles, that whole era of like California music. Gotcha. And Laurel Canyon is a place in California. That's where a lot of those people lived at one point or another. So anyway, there's North Hills, which is very Laurel Canyon. Nothing is wrong. At this point, they were touring. Taylor made a choice to say like, okay, well, I want us to be a rock band. They didn't want to get pigeonholed into that Laurel Canyon thing. So they have more uh, rock stuff. What's the song on this one? Oh, Moon in the Water and Million Dollar Bill are great songs, but... Just everything on that record. But honestly, I didn't get there. What I did was I went from all your favorite bands and I was like, okay, well, this is cool, but I want to hear the newest album. I tend to do that with bands. Like, especially if it's not the highest production recording and they have a newer one, I'm a sucker for good updated production. Yeah, I am too. I do like a raw edge. Yeah. But, you know, I I do also enjoy like, hey, I don't want things overproduced, but I want it, you know, updated. I yeah. think, and I think it's the fairest the fairest shot a band gets to be liked. Yeah, it's a weird thing to say, but I think you know we look our best in in suits. <laughs> do you genuinely feel that way? I think some a lot of people do. Yeah, because I mean, if you, if you've never seen someone in a suit or in a dress or whatever it is, yeah. and all of it, like you know, they're not you know t shirt and jeans kind of person, right? Like when I saw Adam at his wedding at the reception, I was like, dang, Adam cleans up nice. Yeah, I thought all of us did. That's a fair point. So I was like, wow, you know, I think it's best to hear a band in their suit. And so that album was 2018's Password. And it's very different from the All Your Favorite Bands record. But this one, I mean, Feed the Fire, Crack the Case, Living in the Future, Telescope, and 
Never Gonna Say Goodbye are all incredible songs. So then I started backtracking. The album in between All Your Favorite Bands and Passwords is We're All Gonna Die. And that one is another like crazy uh, modern production rock song produced by Blake Mills. So then I found out there was a documentary. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Is there a Dawes documentary or is there like an album thing? Because I know you're a sucker for that. And this is kind of why I wanted you to be the first episode of this is right. because I think Dave's the best at talking about these things because <laughs> he, he definitely has seen all the documentaries. Yeah, there's a documentary about the making of this record. and For We're All Gonna Die? For We're All Gonna Die. And it, it just shows them in the studio. And what happens is now you mentioned, are they studio people? Well, in the time, as soon as they could, they were touring. I think in the, the, one of their first or second tours, they somehow ended up on a tour opening for Maroon 5. And it was their first tour. So they thought, all right, this is what touring is like. <laughs> yeah, they probably <laughs> fucked, they, they fucked themselves over like on that. Yeah, and so they thought like, the bass player quit school because he was like, I've made it. I'm not ever coming back to school. And they did their second tour, and it was like, this is not what touring is like. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, they became known as these road dogs, but they also developed a really flourished in their skill. They're still in their mid-20s at this point when, when this the first record comes out. And uh, they begin to get asked to do studio work. They're not as known. Sometimes we think about like, Wolfpack, a lot of those guys were studio people or the Wrecking Crew. It's not that kind of a thing, but now they're doing more and more studio work. We just talked about The Killer's new record. Yeah. Taylor and Griffin sing backup vocals on the last track. Anyway, so <laughs> it shows in that track or that, that album, uh, the documentary, it, it shows them making these songs and Blake Mills is playing all over it and he's encouraging them to do different things. At one point, they get the drummer to sing a song and that's the song roll tide and i think it's really cool that griffin is such a good singer as well as his brother taylor at that moment i started listening to the records again and going okay well now i'm understanding that it's his brother singing the backup vocals so that adds a whole nother layer to it particularly around that time i was coming off of a huge foo fighters binge just for years and i was like i, I really like songwriting but i want something a little more intricate so if you dig a little bit deeper just scratch the surface a tiny bit with Dawes and try to learn some of their songs good luck because Taylor's an incredible guitar player he's extremely inventive with his finger picking and he's a great soloist which he didn't want to be a lead guitar player well it, it seems like that uh, kind of the subtlety of a John Mayer where John Mayer is a pop artist that's what he is at his core and if you just listen to it, in fact, I would say a majority of John Mayer's fans, like probably 60% of his fans are just the pop audience who don't really think about, you know, like the theory behind it, which I'm not saying you should, um, right. but that's probably his main, uh, that's his bread and butter. But then if you just try and learn a John Mayer song, I, I would assume Dawes is that same way. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, Let me pick up this guitar. I learned a bunch of Dawes songs. <laughs> I did I've tried. Not. I've tried to learn some of them, and it's, it's really, really difficult. But on this album, so I want to read some of the lyrics from Less Than Five Miles Away. Because this, what, what begins to happen with Dawes, especially at this point with those, with We're All Gonna Die and Passwords, the music is so intriguing that even more so, you can begin to miss the lyrics. So he's a big, I don't want to pigeonhole his writing, but 
he's a big fan of like the third or fourth verse turn where the song, like first verse is about something then the chorus, you're like, oh, that's what this song is about. The second verse is kind of a similar thing and then uh, the chorus happens. But then the third verse, it, it kind of turns on its head. He's a big fan of that. So anyway, uh, it's just really intriguing. And so what what I find with them is the more I listen to their songs, the more things start to unravel. The interplay between the vocalists, the way that the now, especially with Lee Pardini on keys, the way that he interacts with Taylor's words. Wiley Gilbert is a, kind of a strange bass player. He's not formally taught, but he plays with a lot of ghost notes and... For a long time, I was actively trying to, as a bass player, not play with any ghost notes because I, I thought of it as fluff. So when I heard him playing with all that stuff, I was like, well, I like this band so much. Why is this working? Then I tried to learn some of his bass lines, and I was like, oh, it's interacting with the hi-hat. And everything has a reason that it's there. And the more and more I get nerdy about it, it just opens up. So like any good album you have, you hear it the first time, and oftentimes you might not like it, or you just don't quite understand it, then you keep listening to it and you go, this is one of the best albums I've ever heard. But sometimes you hear an album and you go, I really like this album, but you don't get burnt down on it. Just the more you listen to it, the more it unravels and you start to hear new and different things each time you hear it. Not each time, that's, that sounds so stupid. I think most of the albums that I bring forward as like my 10 out of 10s are the the first one that you mentioned of like, right. the first time I listened to it, I was like, this is this is a chore, this is hard but there's something there and then i you know i come back to it on its own, on its terms and then i'm like okay no 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 this is actually great so right. and i think that's why i get labeled hipster fuck <laughs> man i hate that that's a joke but you know it's on top of that i think something that really catches my ear is that taylor's voice is not he's a he's a great singer in that he can match pitch and he sings in tune he's got a lot of energy on stage the more and more I see live performances, the more he's just coming into his own as a front person. But he doesn't have a conventional voice. So you wouldn't listen to him and go, he's trained. Yeah, he's no Freddie Mercury, which I know Freddie Mercury wasn't trained. but No, yeah. but Freddie Mercury is like, a, he set the bar so high. So I think what, what happens for me when I hear singers like that, that get by, it's not like he's, he's not in the middle between Freddie Mercury and Bob Dylan. He's a little closer to Freddie Mercury, I would say. Vocally. I, I would agree. Lyrically, he's closer to Bob Dylan. And there's something accessible about that or relatable where you're like, oh, so you don't have to be an incredibly well-trained singer to write good songs or to be a good performer. It's a lot like when people heard when like the Ramones got popular and all these kids were used to having their guitar heroes be Van Eddie Van Halen. All of a sudden, you can listen to the Ramones and you're like, oh, I don't have to be able to play the craziest shit. It's just the same thing. So I think the songwriter in me that wants to write songs and sing hears him perform and sing. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I can do that. <laughs> I, I think you absolutely can. I think this is a great example of someone who has like, maybe there was that inherent, like, Oh, they were good at this. Uh, and they just kind of unlock that ability, but it does sound like they have, uh, especially Taylor has kind of just chipped away at it. There's that, I think it's, uh, one of the guys from kiss, which like, I'm not condoning listening to kiss, but, uh, <laughs> I think one of them is, you know, quoted as saying like, oh, I mean, we don't just write hits. Like we go, it's like mining for gold. You have to chip away at the rock. Like there are hours upon hours of like writing bad stuff, but then you find the good thing and you're like, cool, this is my gold nugget. Right. 
but now it seems like you know I've because I've gotten kind of borderline obsessed with the band. Uh, I've realized that Taylor has always been obsessed with like Chris Christopherson with Bob Dylan. He reads constantly. He's always writing songs that we probably don't even hear. And I think he's at that stage as a writer where he doesn't write hits like Dawes hits constantly. But nine times, nine shots out of ten, he's going to hit a bullseye. Well, you don't have to write hits for a band like Dawes. I, I, I think they're kind of like Wilco, where Wilco doesn't write hits, but they have their fan base that is willing to pay $5,000 to go to a Mexico festival where it's just <laughs> Wilco playing every night, which is a real thing. That's a brave move. Yeah, but they have it. And I think Dawes is much like that. There's tons of bands like that where it's like, you don't have to write a hit. And also, what's a hit? We're talking about like financially and like numbers wise a hit but if it's a hit for your fan base that's all you need yeah in some senses i've i would rather have that kind of a career which here this brings me to a good question okay i i listened to their 2019 album your favorite uh 2019 record that was 2019 for no that was 2020 it was 2020 good luck with whatever yeah that's the album that i listened to because i was forced to but (laughs) i did listen to it um and it is still the background on your phone. Mm-hmm. What is the the album that like somebody should like if they want to get into Dawes? What should they listen to? And it's okay if it's a multi part answer of like, oh, if you like folk songs, that's this, where if I was you going. Like rock, that's totally okay. And then a follow up: Is that your favorite album? Oh, okay. So if you if you really like folky music and you want to approach this band because he's a great songwriter, I would check out probably North Hills. If you like rock stuff and you want to approach Dawes I would check we're all gonna die the opening track is killer one of us and this I think it's it's a really exciting record if you're more of a prog fan (laughs) check out prog album not a prog album but it has more prog elements I would check out living in the future or sorry passwords and I think my favorite record I keep going back to we're all gonna die but at the same time, mostly what I do with them is I just put their entire discography on shuffle. Totally get that. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to, because, and here's another question. What do you think their most popular song is? And because I, I find that most diehard fans, whenever you ask them, okay, what's Oasis's most popular song? They're not going to say Wonderwall. They're going to say something Champagne like... Champagne Supernova. Yeah. They're, or they're going to say something that like, they're like, this is my favorite song. Well, that's not what I asked, you know? What is Radiohead's uh, most famous song? Well, it's not Paranoid Android. It's Creep. It's Creep. So, yeah. like, what do you think it is? 100% of the time, uh, and I think they would agree, is it's all your favorite bands. Yeah. And do you think that's their best song? No. No. Do you I, have a best song? I'll try to answer what do I think is their best song. I think uh, as a band with all of them playing, I think one of their best songs is Didn't Fix Me, both lyrically and musically. When it comes to lyrics, I think it's really hard to pick what their best song is. But I want, there's one I'm trying to find that I do want to read the lyrics. I'm sure it's always changing. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so the song is called For No Good Reason. I think I'm going to read the whole lyrics. Go for it. Okay. So he says, a little girl sinks down in the deep end and looks up towards the sky. And through a little wor- blue world of legs and her feet that look like they're in, in flight. In a slow motion dance while the water expands, the sun's refracted light, refracted light, she just has to pretend she can hear the music. 
then she says, or he says, when she starts crying in her goggles, the scene becomes unclear, but she keeps peering into this underworld through the filter of her tears, which let her keep up hold of the moment as if it was a souvenir. She just has to pretend she knows how to use it. So it's like this little girl who's crying while being underwater and pretending to be in her own little world. So then here's the, here's the turn. He says, or maybe it's the cold hard truth that makes her cry. Maybe it's her ancient past life memories come. So maybe she's like remembering a past life or something. Maybe it's a chemical that got into her eye. So he's like making fun of the profound nature of the verse. Or maybe it's for no good reason at all. <laughs> maybe it means nothing. So then the next scene is his wife asked, how are things at work today as Bill walked through the door? He put his coat on the chair, his keys on the table, and his eyes down on the floor. He tightened his jaws and he thought, he thought of the cause and effects. They weren't clear anymore, figuring out how to say what's wrong. He said, I know that I'll be leaving you, but that's all I really know. I wish I could tell you exactly what compels me to turn my steps and go, because there's so much love that you've given me and so much love that I owe. It's with myself that I can't seem to get along. And then he says, or maybe he just felt the hungry hand of fate. Maybe he won't rest until he's seen it fall. Maybe it's the mood that he's in just for the day, or maybe it's for no good reason at all. <laughs> so again, the third line in the chorus that keeps changing is just completely negating all this, the, these heavy things. Then it says, an actor was found dead today in his Culver City home, and with no evidence of foul play, it seemed he'd acted on his own. The position of his body looked like he was reaching for the phone, makes you wonder who he was going to call. Which is like, how do you think of that stuff? Anyway, maybe all his demons were settling their debts, or maybe all the pressure finally drove him to the wall. Maybe there were secrets he needed to protect, or maybe it was for no good reason at all. And that's the end of the song. It's heavy shit. That's heavy as fuck, right? <laughs> and the first time I heard that song was him playing it acoustically, and when he's doing the chorus, there's this chromatic guitar line that he plays that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, how you, again, how you would come up with something. I've often heard of songwriters talk about, oh, how did that song come to you? And they go, well, it felt like the muse just came through me and I didn't write that song. I just grabbed it from the air. And I have to imagine that either he's just really friggin' good at writing songs or he has those moments too. I've never heard him talk about it, but that not only freaks me out, but it just, that is part of the reason I love music. Those moments when you hear a song and you go, I don't understand that, but it's so beautiful. Yeah. No, definitely being in a band with you, there are times that I have played things that you said, no, you can't do that. I'm like, but I want to, and I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think one time I played a C chord with a G in the root, and you're like, you can't do that. Is it a C or a G? And I was like, it's both. It's both. Well, that was in, that it was a C sharp chord, unless, were you, are you that's in two-way mirror. No, no, no. This was in Slow Life. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I changed it because you seemed very passionate about it, and I said, I'll let Dave win this one, but I, I, I haven't said this to you, but... One day I'm going to write a song with that chord in there, and I'm not going to change it. It wasn't a C with a G. It was a C chord with an E in the bass. No, definitely not. It, it was that. All right, we're going to fight now. <laughs> I wonder if that's going to be fun for anybody, just me reading lyrics. We'll find out. <laughs> so is Dawes a comfort band for you? Like, Whenever you listen to them, does it you know, kind of make you feel better? Because there are bands like Radiohead, where one of my favorite bands, but... Radiohead does not make me feel better. Uh, 100% for so many things. If I'm, if it's 2.30, 2.45 in the morning on a Saturday and I'm driving home from a gig, I'm going to put Dawes on. Yeah. 
Um, it's your ground. Yeah. It levels you. If I, I have a Dawes upbeat playlist because they have a lot of ballads. So if I don't want to hear the ballads, but I'm trying to drive to a gig to get excited, I'll usually put that playlist on. And if I'm feeling really just happy and want to do something to relax, I will put on like live performances and just watch them. So 100%. So you haven't seen Dawes live in person yet. I know you saw them during their, uh, yeah, what the... They did um, live streams. Yeah, They've done streams. three of them. Yeah, and yeah. I know you paid for those. So like that, yeah. like you've crossed that boundary of like, oh, I'm a fan of this band. Like I paid for I've a live invested. stream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, nothing against live streams, but like we all know that like you have to really be in a band to want to pay for that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, they were incredible. Yeah, that was the first time I had seen like a full live performance of them. I watched like tons of Taylor just doing these songs acoustically. There, honestly, that's where I would say people should get into Dawes. It's just watch him with his guitar doing these songs acoustically. Yeah, because everybody likes a good acoustic song. So you have mentioned before that you have a five-year cycle of like being infatuated with bands, and you said you got into this band around 2015. It sounds like. Well, yeah, it might be might have been 20. Actually, 2017 or 2018. Do you think that, like, I, and it sounds like like with Incubus was one of the bands you mentioned, like, you're still into them, but like that, they did have their five-year cycle with you. Do you think Dawes will outlive the five-year cycle for you? I think the big decider in that will be if they continue to keep releasing. A lot of the bands that I liked, Incubus included, John Mayer, Foo Fighters, they tend to take a long time between records. You get three years between a record yeah. and if you're in that five-year period you're lucky to have two albums right uh, i think foo fighters no, the math doesn't check out there i'm sorry <laughs> we know what you're saying but i think foo fighters have released nine records and they've been a band for 26 years dawes have released nine records and they've been a band since 2009 and so they've got north hills nothing is wrong story since i've been a fan they've released uh we're all gonna die passwords good luck with whatever and they've probably got a new one coming out next year. Yeah. So that keeps it up. Now, if they have a lapse in between, you know, I, I, this isn't to sound, this isn't to get pity, but like, I think you guys have made fun of me enough that I've stopped listening to Dawes as much. Oh, that's <laughs> exactly why I'm here to do this. I don't, I, I want everybody to have a chance to talk about their favorite band unabridged. Right. And, but it's, it's, I say that kind of jokingly because I still put them on. But also, there's just a lot of really good music coming out this year. And we've been busy doing deep dives and stuff. Yeah. So I've had to listen to other things. So anything else you want to mention about Dawes? No. I think more so I just want to say, like, if you have your favorite band, hold on to them and figure out what you like about them. Yeah. Dave, what do you think about calling these? May all your favorite bands stay together. Or just all your favorite bands. Okay. We'll do that. This has been all your favorite bands. With Dave. With Dave. <laughs>